question for us this morning as we kind of dive into this topic of money matters. You know, uh, we kind of hold this stuff pretty close, don't we? Uh, you know, I appreciate what Donna was just sharing a moment ago around, you know, just as we come and we pray over our finances and, and what we're giving to a church. And it kind of makes us think for a moment, doesn't it, about the responsibility that we kind of carry as well too into all of that. But here's my question. Have you ever stopped for a moment to consider in the midst of all of our busyness, but have you ever stopped to consider what it looks like? Uh, for someone who might call themselves a follower of Jesus, what does that look like for us to be obedient in the way in which we utilize what's been entrusted into our care? It's a good question, isn't it? You know, what does that actually look like? You know, I know uh, having grown up from a really young age, my parents instilled into me the value of generosity. Uh, that, that, and, and this principle of, of giving back something of what we have to God to reflect just our heart towards Him, the fact that it all comes from Him, nothing that we have is ours, it's His. And so they did that from just a young age. I remember on a regular basis, we'd get out of the car, wandering into church, and mum would stop us, and invariably out of her purse, she'd pull out 20 cents, and she'd give it to each of the kids, and it'd be our responsibility, and we kind of carried this 20 cents and when you're two and three, that's a significant amount of money. And as you get a bit older, it went from 20 cents to 50 cents to maybe a dollar or a $2 coin. And it was your job to put it into the offering, uh, the offering plates. And I was always, I, I love the offering plate coming around. Like it was always just filled with all these money notes that people had kind of put into that. Yeah, so this principle of, of being generous was, was kind of instilled in me from this really young age that, you know, when it comes to the money that I've got, it's really important to be generous and to give. When Julie and I got married, uh, kind of right up, we kind of made that decision as a young married couple with a child that was coming, uh, that we wanted to make sure, we set it as a benchmark. We just said, you know what, we are going to give 10% of whatever God gives us on a regular, but we're going to just keep giving that back and then look for other areas in which we're going to uh, just to be generous with the money that we've been given. It's a principle we've lived by. It's something we've taught our kids along the way as well too and kind of instructed into their lives. And, and along the way, it's kind of made me think at different times, well, what does that look like? I mean, where have we landed on this? I mean, who said it should be 10%? I mean, if you've been following Jesus for a number of years, you might know, well, you know, we kind of see some of that principle in the Old Testament scriptures. But when you land in the New Testament, there, there, is, there is not a, a, a skerrick of teaching in there where you get this sense that the early church, they were kind of modeling what it looks like, you know, they were giving a percentage of their income. You don't get any of that sense at all. But what we do know from the early church that they were unbelievably, extraordinarily, wonderfully generous with what all that they had been given. You know, so it kind of makes you start asking the question, well, what's it look like to manage the money that God has given me really well? You know, you know when I kind of turn up in church, you know, and I'm kind of, it's not about just ticking boxes, but you know, where did we land on this figure of 10%? And, and is 10% really enough? Or should it be 15 or 20 or 20? You know, what is that figure? 
You know, I, I think it's good questions to kind of ask ourselves in all of this in terms of well, when it kind of comes to the money that we've got, what does it look like for us to be really kind of uh, wise or, or stewards or the way in which we manage what God's given to us? You know, what is enough? Is it just kind of giving him a portion of what we've got and then everything else that we've got is just kind of free for us to do whatever we want to do with what, what's been given to us? You know, what's that look like for us to be obedient disciples or followers of Jesus when it comes to the wealth, the money that's been entrusted into our care? You know, uh, Jesus actually had lots to say about money. And last week, if you were here, I mentioned the fact that Jesus in 40 of his, like uh, upwards of, uh, well, well over a third of his parables, he had 40 parables and close to nearly half of them, Jesus spoke uh, about money. His parables had this sense or they had lots of teaching tied up with them around money or resources or, or, or it, it was linked to all of that. And, and why is that? Because Jesus knew so well that often our money was a reflection of where our hearts sat. And so last week we talked about ownership. Donna's kind of picked up on that again this morning, just reminding us even in that beautiful prayer of David that he was acknowledging that it all comes from God's. And so we, we address that issue, but what's that look like? You know, if God owns it all, then what's that look like for you and I then to manage or to steward then what has been entrusted to us? Is there just kind of this magical figure that we've just got to worry about? Or is there a principle that's far greater than all of that? And one of the beauties is that Jesus actually helped us with this. Because in one of his parables, he talks directly to uh, the management or the use of our resources. It's called the parable of the shrewd manager. It's found in Luke chapter 16. And so if you've got a Bible or a device, I encourage you to kind of go there with me to, to this parable. Uh, and, and let me set it up for us. Because this parable, as you read it, is probably one of the most misunderstood parables that we see in the Scriptures. You know, as you read your way through it, you'll think, what in the world is Jesus talking about? Like, it, at a first reading through there, it seems like Jesus is talking about being dishonest or, or kind of managing money in dishonest ways. He was affirming all of that. But we know that can't be true because Jesus wouldn't ever uh, speak like that or would endorse sinful behavior. So, so what was he talking about? Well, let me just preface it by saying the big point in all of this is around shrewdly using what God has given to you, uh, being shrewd in your management of that. Now, what's that word shrewd mean? Well, it means to be astute or wise uh, or intelligent or even clever with what God has given to you to be shrewd. But we pick up the parable in uh, Luke chapter 16. Now, Jesus has been talking prior to this. He's been talking to his disciples. Sorry, he's been talking to the religious leaders prior to this. In fact, he'd had three parables in Luke chapter 15 where he talked about something that was lost but that had now been found. And as he comes out of that teaching into Luke chapter 16 verse 1, he now begins to speak to his disciples. And this is what he says to them. There was a certain rich man who had a manager uh, handling his affairs. One day a report came that the manager was wasting his employer's money. Now, we'll, just, we'll just, just pause there for a moment. You see, this parable begins with two people. We're told of a, a rich man who obviously had a lot of money. And, and as you kind of work your way through this parable, you, you see that it sits quite obviously in there. And then there was this manager who was responsible for managing this rich man's estates. 
The manager had obviously or supposedly been wasting the rich man's money. And some of this charge, uh, the word of this was beginning to filter back to the wealthy man, the, the, the man who owned all these resources. Well, the rich man obviously believed the report, and so uh, he uh, called into his presence this dishonest manager, and he said to him, what is this? This is in verse 2. What's this that I hear about you? Get your report in order, because you are about to be fired. You know, in essence, what he is saying is, you know what? You've been managing my affairs out there, uh, and so I actually want an audit. I want a report. I want to know where things are at, uh, and... Uh, you know, uh, that will be the day in which I am then done with you. Well, the manager is obviously guilty of something because in this story, he doesn't give any excuses or he doesn't try and justify his behavior at all. Uh, he then just begins to think about what he is going to do. And in verse three, this is what he says to himself. He says, now what? What am I going to do? My boss has fired me. I don't have the strength to dig ditches and I am too proud to beg. In other words, this manager had a really serious issue on his hands. He lost his desk job and he was likely, uh, and, and all that was likely to be available to him was going to be manual labor. And he knew, well, I'm not very good at that. So I'm in all kinds of strife. So what was he going to do? Well, it was in that moment that he had an aha. Anyone ever had one of those moments when you've kind of been thinking through something, trying to work out, you know, what is the solution? What is, you know, what's the answer to all of that? And it's in that, Matt, you kind of have this epiphany and you suddenly go, oh, I know exactly what I should do in this situation. Well, this is the kind of the story that's unfolding. He, he has this moment where he realizes what he should do and he thinks, do you know what? I am going to call all of these debtors, all of these people that owe my boss some money. I'm actually going to call them into my presence. I'm going to have a conversation with them. And I'm not going to tell them all what I'm doing, but one by one, I'm going to bring them into my presence and I'm going to ask them what they owed my master. This is how it plays out in verses six and seven. To the first one, he said, how much do you owe my master? And the man replied, I owe him 800 gallons of olive oil. So the manager told him, take the bill and quickly change it to 400 gallons. And then he said to the next one, how much do you owe my employer? Well, I owe him a thousand bushels of wheat. And the reply, here the manager said, take the bill and change it to 800 bushels. Now, now what was the manager doing in this by reducing these debts? He, he was endeavoring to make sure, you know, he was shoring himself up for the future. This is some of how he was being kind of clever and astute. But what he was doing, he was thinking, you know what, if these people owe uh, this master this certain amount, uh, if I reduce the amount that they owe, they're going to be indebted to me. They're going to look upon me with favor so that when I don't have a job, they will look out for me. Well, how did the rich man respond to all of this? Well, you'd expect there to be a rebuke. But Jesus said in verse 8 these words, the rich man had to admire the dishonest rascal for being so shrewd. Now you hear that, you read that, and you think, what? What kind of a, an employer would respond like that? I mean, surely he'd be angry. But no, Jesus says the rich man had to admire the dishonest rascal for being so shrewd. I mean, why would he admire him? in this moment. Well, while it's not mentioned in this parable, 
And it is quite possible that this rich man had also been somewhat inappropriate in his dealings as well. You know, in a Jewish culture, it was for a Jewish person, uh, it was appropriate, it was okay for a Jewish person to lend money for some, to somebody else. But the law was very clear that they couldn't uh, exact or take interest or, or, or take any interest on the money that had been lent. And while we aren't sure in this parable, it's quite possible that uh, this, this, this man had, had loaned out this. And instead of putting interest on it, what he had done is uh, he had kind of found some other way or means of, of getting back some in-kind support that kind of, kind of worked like interest. And so by reducing the amount of the bill, what was this smart or shrewd manager doing? He was actually taking the amount of money possibly off the bill that was owed to his master and putting it back to the original amount of money. Uh, that would have looked good for those who had been loaned the money, but uh, also in that situation, the, the, the person who owned the money, who had lent the money, couldn't suddenly put up their hand and go, you know, hang on a second, that person owed me much more money than that. Otherwise, he would have been exposed too for what he had done. And so when the master heard about this, all he could do was applaud the dishonest practice. Sorry, all he could do was applaud the, you know, this practice of this manager. See, through... Though the rich man could hardly credit the man for his honesty or his integrity, when it came to his shrewdness, he had to give the man his due. He said, there's a difference in this. This rich man was not saying, I applaud the clever steward because he has acted dishonestly. What he is saying is, I applaud this dishonest steward because he has acted cleverly. And the master was saying the latter, not the former, and that's part of the, the key to understanding this parable. And so, so right up in this, as Jesus is telling this parable, we, 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 we know from the very beginning that he's not endorsing dishonesty. He's not saying that it was a, appropriate to, to cheat people out of their money. Instead, what he is doing, he's giving an example to the disciples, because they're the ones that are hearing this. He's giving an example to the disciples uh, of of, of what or how shrewd non-Christians can be when they act in their own interests. And that's what he is saying then in verses 80 when he says, And it is true that the children of this world are more shrewd in dealing with the world around them than are the children of the lights. In other words, what he is saying is that to his disciples, that the people of that day, the, the businessmen and the, and the businesswomen of that day were more bold forward-thinking and shrewd in their management of what they had than the people of God were with what they had been given. Then Jesus moved on from this parable. He didn't stop there. But he moved on in the parable to uh, make three points about the use uh, of the use or management of God's resources. And this is what he said in verse 9. Well, he makes the point. The point is... He tells them to be shrewd with their resources. This is what he says in verse 9. He says, use your worldly resources. Now, if you've got a hard copy of a Bible there and a pen, I'm giving you permission right here, you might want to just circle that word use. Or you want to think about it with me as well too. See, Jesus is saying that money is to be used. Not loved, but to be used. 
Jesus says, use money, use your worldly resources. In other words, don't just hoard it, stockpile it, worship it, or, or even love it. Instead, he says, use your worldly resources to benefit others and to make friends. That's what verse 9 begins to say to us. Use your worldly resources to benefit others and to make friends. Then when your possessions are gone, they will welcome you to an eternal home. What's Jesus saying? Is he saying that we can buy and win? You know, do we buy friends and kind of influence our future that way? Well, no. He's just suggesting to his disciples that they leverage their temporary worldly resources for eternal good. Let me just read that verse to you again. It said, Jesus said, use your worldly resources to benefit others and to make friends. Then when your possessions are gone, they will welcome you to an eternal home. So Jesus' point in this parable as he begins to kind of illustrate, as he's kind of making it really clear about what's it mean to be shrewd with God's resources, he is saying wealth and possessions are to be used for goods. They're to be used to win eternal friends. In other words, we must shrewdly use the resources that God has given to us, whether we have little or whether we have much, for the furtherance of, of God's kingdom. For the furtherance of the gospel. In other words, this is the best term investment that we can ever use or invest our resources in. And to choose otherwise, as Jesus suggests, would be to not make a proper use of what God has given to us. Jesus says to be shrewd with what uh, with God has given to us. Well, the second point that he begins to make in this parable it, towards the back end is simply this. It's around being then faithful in the use of our material wealth. In verses 10 through 12, Jesus says this, If you are faithful in little things, you'll be faithful in large ones. But if you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. And if you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? And if you are not faithful with other people's things, why should you be trusted with things of your own? See, Jesus is talking about faithfulness with his disciples. He's talked about shrewdness or the importance of being shrewd, but now he's talking about faithfulness. See, if you're faithful with the little things that you've been given, then God, he says Jesus, he'll just trust you with some more. And this is a principle that applies to every facet of our lives. And beginning with our talents. You know, if you've got a little talent and uh, uh, a little gift that God has given to you, and you are faithful in the stewardship of that talent and that gift and the way in which you are using it, then God can trust you with something more. You know, it's also true with responsibility. God entrusts you with a responsibility. He, he gives you an opportunity to do something. And if you are faithful with that responsibility and take it seriously, then God can also trust you with some more. And it's also true with our wealth. And that's what this parable is about. You see, uh, if we are responsible with what God has entrusted into our care, then the principle is a play that he can also entrust us with some more. See, the truth today is that money is not a possession. It's a trust. And God entrusts all of us with something, and he expects us to use it faithfully for his glory, for the care of his children, and not just for our own private or glory and glamorous use. And then Jesus kind of wraps up this parable with one last kind of pointed teaching. 
by simply, and, 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 the, and, the, and the teaching is simply this. You know, it's serve God, not money. That's his third point. Jesus says in, in verse 13, he says, No one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and you'll despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And you want to let that just kind of sink in for just a moment and think about that. You see, Jesus is not saying in this that it's difficult to live for God and for money. Or it's hard to live for God and money. Or it's somewhat stressful to live for both God and money. He, he uses the word, you cannot do it. You cannot serve both God and money. Your heart can't be completely given to God and also completely given to money. It just doesn't work that way. You'll either serve one or you will serve the other. And so the truth is, if we don't master our money, if we don't think about uh, the issues of, around money matters, if we don't think that through, then it will soon become the master of us. And so Jesus says, you only want one master. So serve God. Let that be the master in your life. So what's the application? As we think about this parable of the shrewd manager. Well, let me just kind of land this by uh, posing three questions or, or, or three questions that I think are, are worthy of our consideration. Because the reality is, as we think about this, we get all tied up in knots, wondering whether, well, have I given enough? You know, is this generous enough? You know, what's going to make God happy? It sometimes feels like, you know what, if we give our this amount of money, it's like we've paid our membership and everything is kind of okay. Well, that's not kind of the way... God's not interested in our money like that. So what does it look like to hold all that we have been given, to hold it loosely, to hold it in open hands and to say, well, God, I realize that what I have, it comes from you. And now you expect me to be a, a great steward of what you've given to me. Well, how do I know if I'm doing that really well? Well, I want to pose three questions, questions that I've got to ask of myself as well, too. But questions that I think help us to think about money matters. As we think about the management or stewardship of what we have been given. And here is the first one. And it's simply this. Am I being shrewd with my money? And when I say my money, I, I, I am meaning all that God has entrusted into my keeping. Am I being shrewd with my money? In other words, am I being astute? Am I being wise? Am I being intelligent or even clever with the, with the resources that God has given to me? Am I being astute? Shrewd. You know, the reality is that all of us in this room and those of us that are watching online today, we all have only a certain amount of finances. And you might look at what you've got and you think, well, yeah, that's a considerable amount. Or you might think, no, it's not much at all. But whatever that amount might be, we all have a limited amount of finances. And we have to live on that. We have to do life on that. And, and we can't meet every need that might sit out around us. So how do we be shrewd with our finances? You see, we have to wrestle with that as individuals, but you know what? The church also has to wrestle with that as well too. 
we have to, to, to be astute or wise or intelligent with what God has given to us as well too. We can't meet every need or we can't do everything that we can possibly think about. So God, what is it that you are actually asking us to do? We need to be shrewd with all of that. And so that principle, that question that sits, here, sits in there, well, what's that mean for us? What's it look like for us to be shrewd? Or, or let me just kind of push around a bit more. I've been thinking about this a lot in my own life this week, but are, are, you, being, are you shrewdly building margin into the budget that you've got so that you can be generous with the resources that God has given to you? Or are you just kind of living well beyond your means? You know, in this country, you know, I don't ever think that we are at the risk of underspending. Interestingly enough, you know what? I don't think we kind of sit around thinking about how do we put some guardrails in place to ensure that we don't underspend. You see, if anything, it's the overspending. It's the, it's the, the sense of we can pay, uh, we can buy now and pay later. Where do we need guardrails in our life? We need guardrails with our overspending. Because the reality is that so many of us are tempted to live well beyond our means. So the question comes, you know, well, if I'm being shrewd, am I shrewdly building margin into my budget so that I can be generous with all the resources that God has given to me? And what might that look like? That might mean choosing to spend modestly to save modestly, and then to give generously. That is an intelligent use of God's resources. You know, next week, uh, uh, we're going to kind of wrap up this series where we talk about the, the rich fool who wanted to kind of keep just hoarding more and more and more. You know, how much do you save? What does shrewdness look like? You know, I get that many of us right now, we're kind of doing a little bit more tougher as interest rates are beginning to rise and we're beginning to realize that we are kind of maxing out. And we're thinking, well, how do we deal with all of that? What's it look like to be shrewd in all of this? You know, are we avoiding unnecessary debt and managing existing debt responsibly so that we can invest all that God has given to us in the things that are of eternal significance? And I want to say that being shrewd with money doesn't mean that we're now being tight, stingy, or we're just hoarding our wealth. There's something that, that would not please Jesus as well either. I think this, this story or this principle, or even this question here, it just simply means that we're using our God-given resources wisely and responsibly. And you know what? That's not my job to ask you what you're doing with that. It's not the church's job to doing that, but it is a discipleship issue at the heart that says, you know, this is why we talk about money matters. Because money so often has our own hearts and it's a reflection of where our heart really is with God. And so that first question is, am I being shrewd with what God has given to me with God's resources? Here's the second question. And it's simply this, am I being faithful in the use of my material wealth? You see, being faithful just simply means am I being responsible? Am I using the, my financial resources in a way that's wise? Am I being generous with all that I've been given to me? And am I just avoiding this temptation to, to fall into greed and materialism? And I think one of the obvious ways in which we 
overcome that propensity is by thinking through, well, how much am I regularly giving and bringing to the local church? What's that going to look like for me as an individual, for us as a family, uh, as a married couple? What's that look like uh, in terms of being faithful? So what about you? You see, maybe, uh, maybe it's today it's about thinking through, well, are we being faithful in what we are giving of our wealth to support what God is doing in and through this local place? Or maybe for you, that's even a harder thing to do today because you realize that uh, you're not even living according to a budget or you are so strapped to uh, the lifestyle that you've got that it's a difficult thing for you to work out. And for some of us today, maybe it's being willing to go on a journey with Jesus and to, to really think through, well, what's that look like for me to be faithful with what God has given to me? There are so many resources out there today. There are books to read. There are podcasts that you can listen to. In fact, there are people here in this church who I would say are, are really astute, who God has gifted around money management, around money matters. And they would only be too happy to people have help people with their finances. But you know what? Sometimes it's our pride that holds us back from all of that, isn't it? Stops us from going to that place. But the question is, am I being faithful in the use of my material wealth? And here's the third question. You know, am I serving God? Or am I serving my resources and the pursuit of them? See, that's the question. You know, I want you to... I wonder what God might discover in our lives today if he was to turn up and say, you know what, uh, hey, I'm just kind of calling in a, a record. Dave, I just, I just want to know what it is that you've been spending or where, where that money that I've entrusted to you, where it's gone. I'm calling to an account for that today. I wonder what he would find in my life or he'd find in, in our lives collectively here. You know, what would get first place in our lives? Would it be our relationship with God or would it be the money and our pursuit of things? You know, who is it that we are serving? Is it God or is it the creator? Now, it's very clear. Jesus said money ought to be our slave and not our master. We don't want to be enslaved to material things. And this parable that Jesus was sharing in this moment, it was obviously confronting. I mean, remember, Jesus had been talking to the Pharisees, but now he's talking to the disciples. And as the parable is working its way out, we are told in the background that the Pharisees who dearly loved their money heard all of this and they scoffed at Jesus. They were listening. It wasn't being directed at them. Jesus was directing at his disciples. He was wanting them to think clearly through, are they being shrewd in their management of all that has been given to them? But the, but the, the, the religious leaders heard this and they sneered at Jesus. What's it mean to scoff? It means to, to, to sneer, to, uh, to laugh, to mock or to show contempt. And why did they do that? Because actually the message, the, the points that Jesus was making was actually convicting them to the core. And so they, they, they scoffed at Jesus. As I read that this week, it really kind of pulled me up. You know, not only was I unpacking the parable in my own life and thinking about what's that mean for us as a family, for us as a couple, but, you know, as I thought about it, the response of these religious leaders just kind of unsettled me a little bit. That, you know, what, well, what's my attitude when it comes to the, to the ownership, the, to how I'm going to manage all that God has given to me? 
So I know if I know it's unsettling for me, I know it's unsettling for a whole bunch of other people as well too when it, when it comes to this. When it comes to managing the money that God's entrusted into our belonging. Are, are, are we being shrewd with God's resources? Uh, are we being faithful in the management of what he has given to us and who are we serving? Is it God or is it money? You know, as we think about management, as we think about what's been entrusted into our care, whatever that might be, I want us to imagine for just a moment what it might look like for a church where people, imagine a church that's full of people. People that pull into different congregations, people that are online. Uh, imagine a church where people shrewdly used everything that had been given to them by God uh, and entrusted into their management. Imagine a church like that, that was shrewdly using everything that had been given to them and not just maybe a bit here and there. Or kind of, you know, we've kind of landed on this figure here. But imagine a church that was shrewdly, uh, filled with people who were shrewdly using what God had given to them to advance his kingdom. I think it would look remarkably different. Remarkably different. Or just imagine if we were willing to pursue the kingdom of God with the same vigor, zeal, or shrewdness that businessmen or businesswomen might employ to pursue their own profits and pleasure, could you imagine what that difference might look like today? Jesus spoke to his disciples, helping them to understand what it looks like. And so for us today, you see, it's not about us kind of falling over or dividing over whether it's this amount or whether it's that amount. What Jesus simply says is, I've given you stuff. I've given you resources. And now I expect you to carefully, astutely, intelligently, or shrewdly use what I've given to you For eternal purposes. How we steward that, how we manage that is our responsibility. I'm going to ask us, let's stand as our worship team is coming back this morning. And we're going to finish in this morning by just singing another song together. But I want us to pray. Because I think this seems like a very fitting moment, doesn't it? That we, we, we take this opportunity. Because God is speaking into our lives today. And that we take this moment in a sense of as we sing, but as an opportunity to, to dedicate ourselves afresh to being wonderful stewards of what God has given to us for His glory. Hey, would you pray with me today? Father, we are very aware, all of us, as we sit here and as we talk about money, we, we understand the importance of it, but we also understand that money, it can rule, it can dominate our lives. It can form so much of our thinking. So Father, today we come before you in a fresh way. 
Maybe some of us are here uh, right now and we're thinking about this and we're finding ourselves a little bit unsettled by all of this. The fact is that maybe that is just a little bit more indicative of where our heart sits today. And as we think about the teaching of Jesus, there is a sense that we are being invited to to go on a journey with Jesus where we hold our wealth loosely. Father, we don't want to fall into this place where we've got to land on this magical number of what that looks like to manage our resources well. We gather before you this morning and as we watch online and we want to offer up to you our hearts. And we just want to be known as people who love you, who care about you, who who manage what you've given to us, we steward it really well. So Father, if, we're, if there's an area of our life where we know that there's, there's some work that needs to be done, God, would you help us to do that? If we need to put a budget in place, if we need to start living according to our, within our means rather than above or beyond our means, maybe that's a decision we've got to make. It's thinking about how we might use what you've given to us for your kingdom purposes. Holy Spirit, would you speak to us today in only ways that you can do that? Because we know that this matters to you, and if it matters to you, it should matter to us. Father, I pray that you continue to grow us, not just along spiritually in this journey as we walk with you, Help us to deal with money matters because it really does matter to you. Father, you've been a faithful God in every generation. We've sung about that this morning. For those of us who are, who are feeling stretched today, Father, as we take this seriously, Holy Spirit, would you show up in such a way that uh, we see you at work in profound ways in our lives? God, you've been faithful in the past. You're going to be faithful in the future. You're going to provide for our needs. God, do that in our lives. God, do that right here in this church as well too, that we may bring glory and honor to you in all of your ways. We pray that today in Jesus' name. Amen.